Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Banter Pub FC, the spicy, the sauciest team in the game, the spiciest takes on the pitch in the pub today. I'm going to introduce myself first. They never let me host. This is Rosler, and we have a returning host. Welcome back, Adam. What's good? Been a long time. I should have left you, but I had my mental health to tend to. So, bars, thanks. <laughs> and we support that for sure. Amma's in the pub, and of course, Captain Neil is here. John is away, so that means City's probably going to lose this weekend, their next game. Likely. I bet on it. John's always away when they lose, and Joseph will be back soon. But we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start with your favorite segment, Around the Pitch, starting with a few updates with the NWSL. First, an ongoing story that we've been talking about with the Washington Spirit. Um, there seems to be some movement and things are starting to happen in the right direction. Steve Baldwin is out as the CEO, and it's also looking like he's going to sell the Spirit by the end of the year. Let's start with Ama. What are your thoughts on the updates on the situation? And do you think that the NWSL is moving in the right direction as far as taking care of the players? Um, let's see. Uh, do I think they're moving in the right direction as a league? Nah, not nearly enough. So if you push me for a yes, no, I'll say no. If you, <laughs> there are nice little rumblings, but there's, everything's reactionary. And I think the NWSLPA and the Black Women's Players Collective have put out some specific items that need to be addressed by the league before I'll feel comfortable saying they're moving in the right direction. Um, as far as the Washington spirit in particular, uh, the only outcome that I'm looking for is Steve Baldwin selling his majority stake uh, to Michelle Kang um, and keeping the spirit in Washington, DC. Like he can, fly to the moon if he wants to, but leave the team with an owner that gives a crap about the players. Um, and you don't want a repeat of, yeah, you don't want them to like have to move to some terrible part of the country like South Dakota. Because the dude was being a jerk and decided to sell to, you know, a militia or something. Why did South Dakota have to catch a stray there, Amma? What did they hey, do to you? Montana. Just knock yourself out. Neil, if I remember correctly, you are a supporter of the club. What are your thoughts about the progress, quote unquote, that they're looking to make? 
you know, I, uh, so first of all, uh, I definitely think, um, this is a, Steve, Steve Baldwin should have stepped down. He, he never should have been the CEO of the team in the first place. Second of all, he should sell his majority share to, M Michelle Kank should be the outright owner of the club. Uh, she's already, she was seen, recently seen on the pitch for the DC United talking about sponsorship deals and things of that nature. That is not something that um, uh, we've seen from other owners in terms of, in terms of, um, or, or it's not something Steve Baldwin was doing actively with the DC United. He wasn't actively communicating with them uh, on the pitch, uh, which is, which is progress. However, one thing that concerns me about him uh, selling his majority stake, which is the other major announcement, and in addition to him stepping down as CEO, is that this motherfucker is um, basically uh, selling the team at the end of the year. And in the announcement, uh, which will be in our show notes, um, the person he's selling his majority stake to is not named in the statement. Both of those are big concerns for me, because if he doesn't have the if if he and his people can't name who is he selling the stake to, there's a possibility that he's not selling selling it to uh, the Kangs as 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 we in the uh, spirit collective call her, um, the spirit uh, fandom and supporters groups call call her, um, uh, and I just you know. <laughs> Uh, that is a that is a major concern for me. And you know, obviously, in addition to the team potentially leaving Washington D.C. Uh, and going elsewhere, uh, that's an additional concern because what if he's selling it to some? What if he's selling a majority stake to someone in another city that wants to bring the team here? Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that this area meaning the, D, the, the DMV. I know Baltimore doesn't like to claim that they're a part of the DMV, but I'm, claiming, but I'm going to claim them for the sake of this statement, in that Baltimore famously lost the Baltimore Colts overnight um, to Indianapolis. Uh, and now they have the Ravens. Uh, but any time that the Colts and the Ravens play, there's a lot of beef because of what that former owner did, um, which was shady as shit. And God forbid that happened with, uh, with the Washington Spirit. Um, you know, uh, but I don't think if if the person who's has who now who he's going to sell the majority sh shares to ends up um, moving the team, I feel like because of how Steve Baldwin's been managing uh, the entire operation up to this point, whoever that is is as insidious as he is potentially. And uh, because he doesn't want to name them, and they could move the team in the middle of the day while the sun's out instead of overnight, like happened in Baltimore. So that's a major, that is a major concern of mine. Obviously, support the players. We've seen several weeks of weeks of, and weeks of uh, solidarity. It, what, what's interesting is we've seen players join in the circle in the middle of the pitch around the five-minute mark of every game. Um, to spend some time to like you know share in solidarity um, and kind of stop playing. My problem with them, I I I love the support and the solidarity. 
But it's interesting that every player is showing solidarity around this. And this is not a false equivalency, but several months prior, there was a call to at least show support for the black players to a little degree. And half of the players across the NWSL were standing up for the anthem. But when it comes to egregious behavior from the owners, then it's, oh my God, we have to be in, you know, we have to be in full solidarity and stand in a circle and sing Kumbaya. And it's just like both are problems with players, not just sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and other abuses to the players, but not even acknowledging the black players as humans, that's a fucking problem too. And the fact that half those players couldn't even show solidarity then is a huge fucking problem. Can I butt in to say uh shout out to Andy Sullivan, uh Washington Spirit captain, if I'm not mistaken. And because there are I I saw a screen cap of the anthem playing and she was literally the only player for the spirit kneeling, which is just troubling i've heard her talking to the press about why she kneels and it's the most thoughtful take you can expect to get from a white player in the league consider it and acknowledge it and then she acknowledged that she doesn't know what she doesn't know but based on what she does know kneeling is the least right and so yeah shout out to andy solomon and of course all the black players who who have to deal with this double consciousness in the league. Adam, what are your thoughts? Oh, man. NWSL. Um, there's so much that's gone on. I know, like, as each article has dropped, like, something is happening. I'm like, oh, man, I got to sit down and, like, take all this in. And it's just been so much. So we have all the stuff with Baldwin in the spirit. You have the fallout with Riley in the courage. Um, and his resignation after years of this man of just abuse of power over when he was over the thorns that continued with the courage. Um, obviously, the commissioner and general counsel for NWSL are out. Um, and to echo Neil's uh, sentiments about the worry about the sale of the spirit. Also, uh, Neil, as you recall, last week, it was noted that according to sources, he supposedly was about to offer to sell to Kang who has the support of the players. The players have actually said, we like her. She actually takes our um, our concerns to heart, checks on us. Kang is down there on the field talking to players before and after matches. Um, but supposedly, and that was on Friday the 8th, the article in The Athletic said that he supposedly offered the other, the other shareholder, Bill Lynch, was willing to sell their shares to Kang to basically make her the... Pretty much the full owner. A lot of people have minor um, ownerships, uh, minor percentages. And then that was rescinded um, within not even a day. So the question of you were about to sell to her and then you rescind it. A week later, you confirm that you're going to sell it, but you're not saying to who. Yeah, I totally get the fear. Um, I think all of these things that have happened in NWSL, and it's really sad to say, just show how entrenched. things are with the patriarchy like there's no other way to say it like this is a league in the that started in the 21st century that's should be centered on women performing at the top of their abilities um with the best competition 
uh, in the United States is supposedly uh, since Title IX so progressive for women that offer them these opportunities. And yet, you see this league consistently fail its players. It's it's pathetic at this point. It's it's laughable, and it's really sad because the players lose out. Um, especially as the NWSL has has a legit chance to be the best league in the world. Honestly, just because of the might of American capitalism, and our, we throw something at it, and we decide to be number one, and we usually get there. Um, and because of the fact that the U.S. women's team has been mostly dominant in their tenure. Um, Top to bottom, if you look talent-wise, I'm going to say it's NWSL, uh, the Women's Super League in, in England. Um, Germany has a pretty great league uh, as well. But other than that, you usually have, even in the European leagues, it's usually one top dog and a, a lot of minnows, Barcelona in Spain, um, Lyon in France, although PSG is ca- has definitely caught up and it's a challenger. But it's one of those things. And the NWSL is totally dropping the ball. Um, especially with the spirit and how everything was handled there. I mean, Baldwin goes and hires what Ben Olsen, <laughs> who has no experience with like women's soccer at all. Granted, I'm sure I, I'm sure Neil will attest to this. No, DC DC United hero. I'm sure well versed in the men's game and coach there as well, but no sort of connection to women's soccer, or whatever. And then you put him as the president. Of operations, this doesn't make, and don't even consult your co-owners about it. The fact that Michelle Kang came out and said she didn't know about it until it came out in press releases, like that's wild to me. Like, not even your co-owner, you have the courtesy of saying, "Hey, this is something I want to do." Like, that's outlandish. So, bye to Steve Baldwin. I hope you talk to your boy Daniel Snyder and get him out of the ownership thing down in that area, but. So thanks for doing that. Do right by the spirit. It's players. Just sell the Kang. Like, there doesn't need to be some drawn-out process so you make the most money. Do the right thing for once because you've done all the wrong things, bro. So that's it with NWSL. I, like, for the players, I hope they get it together. You got these women who are out here. And, again, piece of the NWSL PA. Um, no more side hustles. All these women who are getting um, – Really, like, I just read an article this week about the referees for the NWSL, and that is, it's just, they don't care about these people. Like, literally having referees come to a match, and they don't have a place where they can prepare. Their stuff's left out under a tent that's open air in a parking lot. Like, their prep bags, like, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, take care of the people that are making your league as great as it can is it as great as it could be if you guys just weren't cutting yourself off at the foot like it's it's such a simple process it's wild to me that this league that's been in existence for close to a decade just came out with an anti-harassment policy this year that's outlandish it makes no sense whatsoever um you know it's been scandal after scandal after scandal this year taking away from some really awesome um, play on the pitch. Um, they started off well with another edition of the Challenge Cup. The season's been really competitive. Every match that you watch, there's something good going on. So I hope that for the players' sake, I hope that they get it right. If not, yo, I hope some WSL uh, Bundesliga team 
uh, D1 Feminine, uh, somebody picks you up uh, and we move forward. And I hope the USLW League picks up too. So, because the women need options and it's just not fair what's happening in WSL. Welcome back, Adam. Back stronger than ever. We're going to quickly move into Ligue 1. One of the bigger stories that's been bubbling that started off as somewhat of a rumor was Mbappe possibly going to Real Madrid, which didn't manifest. But now we're starting to see chinks in the armor a bit, uh, especially after this weekend when Mbappe called Neymar, and I quote, a tramp, saying that the tramp wouldn't pass me the ball. What are your thoughts about Mbappe possibly leaving and maybe some friction that's going on with the team right now? Let's start with, okay, Adam, I'll give it to you. I see you want to go. Go for it. So Mbappe, okay, you say probably. Nah, he's leaving, bro. He's leaving. <laughs> he's out. He's out. He's straight up saying, nah, I told him in July. But, like, the best part about international break is these boys can't wait to talk, which is great. I usually don't like celebrity culture. I don't like the invasiveness. But when it comes to this, I am here for the gossip. I am here for the petty because it is beautiful. Like, first he came off, like, the first day, like, nah, dog. I told the boys I want to leave in July. And then it's a back and forth with Leonardo and PSG. Like, nah, Real Madrid didn't send us an offer in enough time. We couldn't negotiate. But, bruh, that's the offer you go get. Like, that's the point. They did this. Let's negotiate it. So now you're going to lose it for free? And he's leaving. And Bobby before this is already on record from last year of saying that he's like not a big fan of the French media. He feels like they're always on him for something. And we saw that with what happened during the Euros. The boy does not want to be in France anymore. He wants to play for the na- He was about to say, I might take a break from the national team. He does not want to be there. And, he's, and even when he said that, he showed up for the Nations League. He had two great matches, pivotal in their win. So he showed up amidst all the pressure, all the stuff in the background. He doesn't want to be here. And I am so excited for Mbappe. I hope his English continues to improve because I want to hear interviews from him for the rest of his career because he doesn't hold back. Like He's like, yeah, I call him a tramp. And that's just what happens. He's real. We need more of that. Your boy's leaving. Um, PSG is a mess. My boy Messi, who I love, who I miss, is getting exposed there. Mbappe knew it. And I think Mbappe knew. He's like, I don't want to play with this guy. He's not going to help us. And that's kind of what's happening. Mbappe is, he's, I think we're, I think it's the natural thing of he's so young. And remember, this kid was, what, 18, 19 when he won a World Cup? He's really just hitting 22 now or so. So I think that's another thing, too. They just belittle him. And I'm not even going to get to being black. But definitely because he's young, now a young black kid, it's like, nah, play your role. Do You know, shut up and dribble the ball. <laughs> like, just carry progressive carries and whatever. And just do your job. Like, you know, all these senior people, Neymar and Messi, all you know, so forth. And it's like the man, he's very self-confident. He knows what he wants. It's a beautiful thing to see. Um, PSG is a mess. Uh, already we have Messi's lackluster. Uh, Wijnaldum is already said he's unhappy. 
Donnarumma is unhappy. Pochettino's probably like, yo, y'all good with Nuno for real? Because I will go back to London. Because at this rate, I it's 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 star managing. So he's to Mbappe. He's right. As a Barca fan, I'm not. I knew he was probably going to Real. I'm glad it's delayed a year. Um, but that's what's happening next year. Like he's going on a free. He's signing a huge deal, and he's going to sign an even bigger deal because he saves the agent transfer fee, whatever all that stuff is. Because I don't even understand soccer economics. So he's to Mbappe. Killian for life, except when you Don't play worry. Barcelona. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about <laughs> economics in a moment. We'll on that for our favorite segment. But Neil, what do you think? I mean, for me, I'm gonna be honest. Um, I respect the heck out of uh, Killian Mbappe. I do, uh, as a player, uh, as a as a man, um, and. I think he was unjustly, uh, as all of the black players uh, this past Euros were kind of unjustly thrown under the bus. Um, uh, He was thrown under the bus for France's early exit, despite the fact that the entire team didn't show up. Um, And uh, because it shouldn't have gone down to pens. And then when he missed his pen, oh, it's entirely Kylian Mbappe's fault. What the fuck? Excuse the fuck out of me? Um, And then we get to, you know, domestically playing for PSG. Uh, I don't think, and, you know, um, Adam can speak to this as a Barca supporter. Um, I don't necessarily want to speak on um, Messi's ego, uh, you know, as a club-level player, um, because I definitely don't think he carries that over to his international, you know, when he's on national. Um, But, uh, because he's towards the end of that career, so I think he's, uh, his international career. But, Conversely, with P, you know, with Mbappe, like, listen, um, if Killian decides to, you know, I do, I do think he's going to leave. It's going to be interesting if all the rumors are true and Real Madrid is in the business for collecting strikers, and they end up with uh, keeping uh, potential Ballon d'Or winner uh, Benzema. Uh, Acquiring Kylian Mbappe and also potentially acquiring Erlen Holland, like where are they going to play all those people? Because let's not act like they already don't have other striking potential that are younger than them and you know, uh, that are, you know that are on the wing um, at, at at Real. So if now yes, Kylian could play Cam, you know, a, a center attacking mid position, but we'll see. That's not important. What's you know what's important at the end of the day is that Killian is going to move. He's going to move for free. There's there there is there there is turmoil in Paris, uh, trouble in Paris. Um, and I guess uh, as the uh, adage uh, for the song says, uh, there may be too many niggas in Paris. Um, so. Violence. Uh, <laughs> Neil. Neil. <laughs> Stop. Violence. Adam, I think you wanted to say something really quick before we jump to Ama. Um, I was just going to say it'd be uh, if only for one game where it'd be cool if Benzema, Holland, and, and um, Mbappe were on the same squad just to call it the Black History Month lineup. So, BHM. Wow. That's all. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. You know, there's not a Black History Month striking trio if Antoine Griezmann is not featured. So points are made. I'm praying, I'm praying that does not happen. Like that's an insane front line. And and I like I wouldn't I would not stick Benzema on the wing. And I don't believe Erling Haaland on the wing makes any kind of sense. Kylian Mbappe is the only one that I would stick in the any point in the front three, but he's a striker. That man is a killer. Uh, and Erling Haaland is also a true nine. So, like, yeah, you don't have three nines or at least two nines and a seven. Uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for Real Madrid. I On Killian, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's the next great thing, right? And I don't want him to go to Real Madrid. That's where he wants to go. And it's just his choice, his career. You know, blessings to him. I hope I hope uh, he succeeds there. They got people. It's not like they don't have people. Vinicius Jr. is is there. So, like, he has, he already has a Scotty if he wants to go there and play MJ. I think that his arrival could usher the departure of Karim Benzema. Um, you know, he can come to the U.S. and smoke cigarettes at Inter Miami with uh, Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like Benzema is vibes, uh, vibe city. I, I just, I just, I don't think there's room at Real for all, all those people. So just like we're seeing, there's no room in, uh, there's no room in Paris for all those egos. Uh, and I don't think like the system, I haven't seen a system. I've watched a few of their games and I haven't seen the system work quite well. Um, they don't look convincing as a squad. So my hope is that we can, uh, we can see the let, let, um, Killian see out the season since they won't let him go. And he goes on his terms where he wants to go and, um, and things work out for him. That that's really it. Um, and I also like it and to to add to Adam's point about kind of his maturity and things like that. I feel like um, for France, you know, he's shown his value, um, and he owes nothing to the French national team based on what he's already delivered. Um, and so, imagine the next ten years contributions um i i I just think uh all the criticism he's endured uh it's pretty insane and you know i feel like france should be ashamed of themselves um have some perspective real quick before we move on just the honest point about not watching psg matches and like not seeing a system bruh it's really sad for pochettino because that man is a much better soccer mind than what is happening on the pitch. Steve Nash might as well be managing PSG at this point. Like, cause it's just, it's, it's just vibes. And again, Messi, my goat. I wish he was still in Barca colors. Even if I've said repeatedly that we should have sold him in 2020 and made the money and not be so bad. And, um, but your boy, Messi, 
what was happening at Barcelona is really exposed now. He does not run back if he loses the ball. I'm talking about walks back. It's like, oh, I don't have it. Okay. Like, I'm not, Messi is barely on, if if they lose the ball, your boy is staying at, at, at the halfway line. Like, that's it. Like, there's nothing to do. Di Maria's getting older. There, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 the PSG might be the Lakers this year. A bunch of aging veterans trying to make it to the top notch. So it's just, it's, and you're, and you're excited to watch both PSG and the Lakers. Cause it's like, well, is this going to work? And it looks like PSG is not going to work. Lakers, well, season starts next week. We'll see. <laughs> that's it. The answer is no. I'm going to brought up a few names that we're going to talk about in our next segment. We're going to move on to La Liga. Karim Benzema. I, you mentioned him, Mama. You mentioned Holland. You mentioned Mbappe. Right now, is Benzema the best number nine in the world? No. If not, mention somebody else. Who you got? Robert Lewandowski. Robert Lewandowski is the best nine in the league, in the world. Uh, and he and, is owed two Ballon d'Ors, by the way. Yeah, well, I was going to say, and he probably has been. Um, Benzema, what was it, 2019? I don't remember now, but like he had an off year. He, at, not not all that notwithstanding, um, what he has accomplished at Bayern. Granted, Bayern is Bayern in Bundesliga, and blah blah blah, but he has performed impeccably. Um, he's his goal ratio is insane. Um, his qualities in the box are, to me, unmatched um anywhere so to me no benzema benzema is elite as a nine but but i'll pick robert Lewandowski myself who you got neil i got a cosign alma um robert Lewandowski is owed first of all he's owed a ballon d'or as i uh mentioned prior um because he's sitting on you know the season that was mostly indoor without mostly indoors in 2020 without any fans um he was not, he was the uh he was the overall um leader in goals scored um and they didn't even award a ballon d'or that year uh, which is ludicrous uh, obviously he's on the short list for this year um but it's Easily, Robert Lewandowski for Bayern. Um, for me, it's Lukaku. Uh, just because of Lewandowski, I, I I agree with what people have said. I think he should have got the Ballon d'Or last year. Um, it's tough because he's one of those guys. What is interesting? Uh, you know, you play for Poland. Poland's never gonna win an international competition. I mean, the best chance you're going to have is a dark horse run in the Euros. Or maybe, actually, maybe the Nations League. Who knows next time around? Like, you just, because that's one match at a time or something. That's the best chance Poland has to win an international trophy, which is unfortunate for Lewandowski because he's always going to have that against him. He has to be otherworldly um, in his league to do well. But he was otherworldly um, in the last year. I give the nod to Lukaku just because of what Lukaku has to work with. He carried Inter last year to that title. He Chelsea pays that big fee for him, which is ultimately deserved. 
he comes into the Chelsea squad and he keeps it going like differently and yeah, differently. So I think in terms of what, and also he had a pretty great Euros too. Um, he had a pretty good run uh, there as well. I just, if I, if, if the question, best striker in the world, if I'm starting a team right now and I can pick, I'm picking Lukaku because of just what he, I can do more things around him. Lewandowski in his heart, again, with Poland, he doesn't get the same service. I, I'm not going to blame him for Poland's performance in the Euros. But because of him in the Euros, a lot of people had them to at least make it out of the into the knockouts because he's there. He's that good. So I, I'm giving Lewandowski credit. He'd probably be, he's a close number two for me. But I feel like Lukaku, I, he's giving me more, more options. I feel like he's a better hold-up player. He sets up a little bit more for his other teammates when he's doing that. So he's my number one right now. Lewandowski is really, it's like, if I could do 1A, 1B, but Lukaku's number one for me currently. Benzema would probably be number three. I'll say that too. He's on a run as well. He did well in Nations League. He's killing it with Real Madrid. He had a pretty good Euros himself, so he'd be number three for me, but it'd be Lukaku, Lewandowski, Benzema in my run. So do you think the the stuff you talked about with the hold-up play uh, that the, the, some of the things that Lukaku does best, uh, like like his hold up play, um, which may be better than Lewandowski. You, you think that that's kind of the core nine role? So I, mm. I don't. That's I a good point. Like, I feel like as a pure nine, Lewandowski is my guy. No, no doubt about and it. Before you before you continue, what's your definition of a pure nine? Give me that. Like, cause I think I, mean, I see what you're saying, but I wanted I want to like, be clear. I, okay, I guess generically the fox in the box, right? Like you are strong with your head, strong aerially, score whatever. You like in you're in the box. You operate in the box, right? And I feel like a lot of uh, Lukaku's best play happens outside of the box. He operates mm-hmm. magnificently, and he will bring his wingers in. He'll win the ball up the pitch high and bring his wingers in. So, like, I don't think he dragged, um, I don't think he dragged Inter to the, to the, to the Scudetto. I think he was the, the linchpin. But mm-hmm. I felt like the the midfield did their job. Wingers did their job. Lautaro did his job. You know what I mean? Like, it was like even Alexis did his job. Like they, <laughs> when he was on the pitch. <laughs> I mean, like, yo, they, they, they actually, you could see the link up, right? Yeah. He brings players in. So, like, I feel like he's a more versatile player. So, like, when you said, if I'm starting a team, if I'm pulling, I agree with you. I would do the same thing because he has that multidimensional advantage. He's a good striker of the ball. Uh, but I feel like goal sense, um, that nine instinct, I give the, the like, Lewandowski is, is, that, is that at the top for me. And I respect as that. I love this, uh, as much as I love, yeah, you you're right. Like, if I was starting a team, I would pick Lukaku, right? But it was just like, nah. I was thinking about this this position, the this, the the nine striker position. Yeah, I would I would pick I would pick Lewandowski. But you made some really strong points for Lukaku. Um, he is a better pure striker. I'm definitely giving uh Robert the the nod on that. Lukaku, I feel like Lukaku had to adapt over so many different spaces because of what happened. 
like is curious to know what would have happened in Lukaku's progression if say like he didn't go to an Everton where he really was the guy and he had to do those things. Like, I feel like that's, it, you know, you start to develop differently. Like what happens if he stays at Chelsea and just is the striker because Chelsea was normally loaded. He basically couldn't find a space at Chelsea because there was nowhere for him to go. So, but what happens if he was that good and they were like, well, actually let's incorporate him into the first team and he just becomes like their striker. Curious to know what would have happened with his development. Yeah. Um, in terms of that. And of course, recently, we've seen the jump because of Terry Henry's involvement as a coach with Belgium. And, you know, that influence there, Terry Henry's like striking prowess in Arsenal, because Terry Henry did a lot of that. He was a big assist guy. He was our big assist guy. Um, uh, he had our, I think he had our record before Ozil took it. So. And, and, and he, and he like, but even if you look at his career, he played on the wing, mm-hmm. like, you know, he had, he had a whole transition to get into that spot as the striker dude, right, um, for Arsenal. And I feel like that's an ability to adapt and, like, to be lethal um, is something he's definitely added. Because, you know, the, the we, I, I'm pretty sure if you scroll through my timeline, you will find me mocking Lukaku at Manchester United at some point. Uh, because his run there was atrocious, but he also had atrocious management. Um, and he didn't get to do the things he was great at. And I, I, he's a massively intelligent player with so many attributes that I'm so happy that he has the platform. He had the platform and enter to demonstrate to the world what he was capable of, and he commanded that fee. To, to leave. Oh, I don't think he really wanted to leave Inter. He wanted to, but you know, the economics of the situation and um, the appeal of going back to prove your naysay is wrong in the Prem uh, was, I, I think, was uh, pretty attractive for him. So yeah, shout out to the to the brother to the brother Lukaku and his uh, he, he probably speaks as many languages as Kate Abbott. Big man thing. I love how somehow, some way, we always make our way to Arsenal. Always. <laughs> you guys are so great at that. You love your team. I respect it. I'm going to have to come right back to you, Adam, for the next one. Cue the music, Joseph. Barcelona has extended Pedri until 2026 with a 1 billion euro release clause. Explain, Adam. Pedri is the future. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Those release clauses are pretty much bullshit. Um, I think they've all been debunked. They're all there to dissuade people from just coming in for, you know, just making wild. Um, it basically forces people to negotiate. Like, we're, we're I don't know. I never under really understand them. I think I read an article once upon a time that kind of explained it, and I still was like, whatever. Anyway, Pedri is the future. We see the fact that his legs were run off in the last year because he played all the matches for us um, at Barca. He was a star of the Spanish team at the Euros. Uh, um, uh, There's a law in Spain that basically says clubs can't hold Spanish players for any... They can't refuse it for any international duty. So right after the Euros, your boy had like 
I don't know, two days off and then was in Tokyo for the Olympics for the Spanish team. He played all of those matches. And again, let's remember the Euros had a lot of extra time games. The Olympics had extra time games. Your boy had, then he comes right back and he's got to play and Coleman puts him in right away. And of course, now he's injured. Wow, what a surprise. Uh, but he is the future. You lock that kid up. Um, Barcelona, uh, I know in my absence, uh, we have been getting roasted. And that is all deserved. Uh, I'm not even going to front. So, but the good part about Barcelona, even as people try to say that we're Stoke or we might be Stoke or something, I don't know. That's not it. Stoke didn't have a midfield, a young midfield. So we have Pedri, we have Gavi, who just became like the youngest guy to start for Spain or the second youngest at 17 uh, in Nation League game and was a star there too. We've got Pedri Gavi, Ansu Fati, who just returned after injury, scores in his first match back. Um, and those three are potentially, so we've got three guys under 20, under 19 years old who are basically three future stars with the Spanish national team. They've all been called up already, all have started. Ansu would be there if he didn't have an injury that kept him out for a year. So we're great. You gotta sign the kid, you gotta lock up the future. Between those three, we're still hoping DeYoung takes his leap, which we keep seeing. It's one of those things, we got him young. We've got a great team for the future. You gotta lock them all up. Ansu is next up for an extension. I really wish we could re-sign Dembele. It doesn't seem like that's somebody they're gonna try and keep because he would be on a free next year. Um, but you definitely have to, if anybody you sign, it's Pedri, um, just to make sure he's there. Um, the wage bill is now only 80% of revenue, I guess. It was 110% when we started the year. So thank you to PK. Thank you to Busquets. Thank you to Alba for taking those pay cuts. Extensions are extensions. Money is an illusion. You know, we'll pay them. Like, let's be honest, guys. I know we're $1.35 in debt, but people still keep loaning us money. Because... Hold on, hold on, hold on bro. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> You just said, money is an illusion. We 1.35 billion in debt. We can't skirt past that. Yo, let me be be on my Kyrie with contradictory stuff during my life, okay? I can say I don't care about money, and they say, of course I don't want to lose money. I can do that, because it's Barca. If Barca does it. Anyway, the point is, 1.35 billion in debt, yet still top three most valuable soccer team in the world, just because of the brand, because Barca... Here's the thing. We've got like five years to turn things around. Like to, and I don't think we're going to fall off that much, but five years to just be battling again because the old people that give Barca the money are still going to be fans. They ain't leaving. The question is, do we get new fans? And that's the, that's the question right now. To be honest, like it'll fall out the bottom, but, but the point of keeping those new fans is having young guys like Pedri and Ansu and, you know, Gavi, I hope one of them has a cool personality so they can be a social media star. I'm not sure. They all seem pretty quiet, but they're young, too. Let them grow into it. Let Mastia don't have, like, social media classes yet, but they're going to need them. Memphis is going to teach them stuff. Memphis is on the game. Like, we good. We, we're Gucci. So, it's fine. <laughs> we'll be all right. We got, but the point is, we have to side you. There's no, let me tell you, if we were going to, lo- if there was anything that was going to lose us fans, you can't lose Messi 
and then be like, oh, we're going to lose the the guy who might be the next big star for us. You you got to lock that guy up. So it, it's what you got to do. You, you know what's so amazing to me about this whole thing you just did is how little you mentioned the name Ansu Fati. Not even that. Put some respect on my put, put some respect on Ricky Puig. Like what the fuck? Excuse me? <laughs> hey, he 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 he's I still he's I still want him to do well. I'm just not sure he's gonna be like look at the midfield right now, bro. Look who I said. That like the midfield is gonna be you're not getting rid of De Young. There's it's De Young, Pedri, Gavi. Well then, okay, I have a question. I have two questions. Um, sure. and, and they're in the form of players. Uh, right. to, to follow up on Ama, uh, Samuel and Titi is uh, he is hamstringing y'all along. Oh my gosh, I wish. You know, because he could have taken a pay cut, and you still have you, you, still have, you, you, you still have Philippe Coutinho on your books. I don't even under I don't I don't I don't understand how a, how a side like Barcelona has. Can have the audacity to 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 thrive when you have Philip Coutinho still pulling y'all by the goddamn ball sack and and dragging it and dragging it along the street. I just don't I don't understand it. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So here's the thing. Also here's the thing. You can't sell players that nobody wants. Nobody wants the kid, and you know. It's just you have to keep giving him chances to hopefully get his value up. And we did. Somehow Bayern took him for a year. That was amazing. That might be the 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 what one of the seven highlights of Bartomeo's presidency at Barcelona. Cause peace to your team to somehow convince Bayern, which is a very well run operation, to just say, Oh, let's take him for a year. We can rehabilitate him. And they couldn't. Cause he's I don't Coutinho is broken. He needs the best thing for Coutinho is I really hope that he plays well enough in the in I guess the next two months that I don't know Everton comes calling for him and we get like I don't know twenty mil or something like some Premier League team that's just like ah eh, why not we got twenty mil or we make it hey you know who got and I know it's coming up Newcastle you want him but like. <laughs> Um, make the splash, Newcastle. Y'all got cash in January. Coutinho and Willick in the midfield. Huh? 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 Okay. But, right. Anyway, there's, yeah. you Umtiti. And, you know, to go back to, uh, that's what I was going to say. To go back to, like, the people that drop money. Look at the people that drop money. All Spanish. All guys who played on the senior national team who are mostly done. Alba's probably the only one. Well, Busquets actually still gets called up. So, yeah, sorry. Three guys. PK, Busquets, Alba. Those were the main guys that took the pay cuts. Again, senior guys in the national team, they've made more than enough money. Um, I mean, PK just bought, like, the rights to, like, league on to show in Spain. Like, genius. Like, of course I'm going to make money. Like, because all the people in Spain are going to keep buying my package to watch their boy Messi in France. So, right. and I'm. I'm not, yo, PK is not even married to Shakira. Shakira straight up is on record as saying, oh, I don't want to get married to him because I don't want to change the pressure. The man's in a great situation. Of course, he's cutting his salary. He's good. Um, uh, but Umtiti, why? Like, that's the point. I signed a contract. Y'all got to pay me. And he's a younger guy. 
he's not as good anymore. He knows what happens. He's going to ride it and collect your cashly leave. Same thing with Mezudozo. Like, oh, y'all not going to pay me? I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to make it easy for you. Coutinho, and Coutinho, at least I give him credit. He looks like he's like he's trying. I'll give him that. He's putting in effort. Something's just broken there. Um, and, I mean, Coutinho, I feel like we might be able to sell him for cut rate at the winter window. Who knows? Um, but, yes, we're a hamstrung team that I know would have fired our coach at least three matches ago, but we can't because we're broke and we'd have to pay him. Um, yeah, yeah. We're broke, but we're rich. Poor, I'm going to touch you, man. Because the longer <laughs> you keep going, the, the more defeated you sounded. At the end of no. season two, you sounded distraught. You came yeah. back and you sound and good. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, I'm focused on the future. I still think Barcelona can finish top four this year in La Liga. Um, please, I'd um like I'd rather them finish outside of any European things if they can't win. If they can't place in Champions League because Barcelona and Europa just don't make sense. That's just weird. That's strange. That's that's odd. I don't want that. I'd rather just go hit rock bottom. The way y'all <laughs> playing in the U- in the Champions League right now, y'all might be playing in the fucking Europa League very soon. So, yeah, I'm honestly like Bayern and Benfica, bro. Benfica, three nothing to Benfica. No, that's 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 a great. I mean, granted, Benfica is a quality squad. I'm okay losing to them, but nothing, three nothing. It's it's a long one. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting, too. Like, I still think they can turn it around. I think there was, you know, but it's, you know, I give credit to Koeman. You can't play the style that Barcelona is used to. Um, you have, and it's weird. We had, like, I don't know, in that game, like, one of those matches, like, 50-something crosses into the box, which makes no sense because we have no striker who can head any of those crosses. Like, let's just put it in there. Something will happen. Guys, guys. But again, Ansu just came back. I think a lot of things changed. Memphis, again, I love Memphis. That was a great pickup for us. He's all energy. He wants to be there. And he's doubled down on it, too. People said, oh, you're sorry about coming here. He's like, what? Exactly. And that's what you need. Um, so, um, wow, right in cue. So, I mean, you know, I know Joseph got cue the music. You know, have you, you know days of our Barcelona, but you know, I'm looking forward to what's coming not necessarily this year, but in the years to come. With our 1 billion release clause for all of our awesome midfield. Everybody. You get a billion release clause, it's going to be like Oprah. Ansu's going to be like 1.2 billion when we sign him. It's going to be higher. I believe it. And then Gabi's going to sign a year or two after and be 1.5. It's just going to keep going up. Layers. (laughs) Layers. <laughs> I mean, good evening. Uh, I don't want to, you know, just slide in here and act like I've been here the entire time. You know what I mean? I got there to the shit in post anyway. But, um, yeah. You know, what can I say? Um, it is... I still need them to figure out if they've got a co-signer for their co-signer, um, I need them to kind of like 
perhaps maybe um, think about, you know, maybe offloading some of these players that um, that you that um, maybe uh, offload some of these players that you that you brought in. I don't even know he can pay Memphis pay Memphis to pie. Like, who's paying for that? Like where's where's Memphis, that? Memphis Depay? We made a deal with him that he makes his he makes his money off um sponsored ads on Instagram. So he's running social media. So he just makes the commissions off that because he has such a brand that he can do that. So that kind of off. That's what we can't pay him. You know, it's 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 that social media presence. So. You know he's picking up deals, and of course, I'm sure the royalties from his music career as well. And so he's and and, and, and and he and he is too busy with Chloe Bailey, so you know. You, like, you know, we were just talking about that. Uh, my partner and I were just talking about that. A whole new world. Oh my god! I mean, actually, wait, hold on. Isn't Chloe doing um, Ariel? Oh no! The little sorry, man? yeah, yeah. I'm mixing it up. Yeah. You... So yeah. Holly is Holly's Little Mermaid. The sister's not doing anything, so forget it. I've <laughs> jacked up every reference. Oh, oh, Erase it. Well, you're gonna keep it, but yeah, he's doing something, bro. I mean, that's the thing. Is essentially what we're dealing with here is um, fundamentally we're dealing with something that is. I was just talking about. Because somebody was asking me at the barber earlier today uh, before, uh, when I was getting my head done. And they were talking about PSG. And they were just like, you know, can any, do you see anybody beating PSG? And I said, no. <laughs> PSG will lose if PSG feel like losing. You know what I mean? Um, Messi is a completely different character. For the last two seasons, he'd been playing with like a sandwich board, an invisible sandwich board over his body. Where, you know, effectively, he's just like, you know, get me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. Do you know what I mean? And it just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking for him. You know, he just was, he was, he was doing work. He was scoring the lights out and all that sort of fun stuff. But it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough. So for him, it was always a case of just being like, okay, well, um, you know, what, what do we, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Barcelona's looking like, well, we can't sell him. We can never get rid of him, even though he wants to go over my dead body. And PSG were like, mm, yeah, no, we can we can take care of that. And they got him for free. This is the same club that got Donnarumma on a free. I think they got Gigi Wijnaldum on a free. Who else did they get? Um, I think they only spent money on Hakimi for 70 million euros or something like that. It's... It's really, really worrying me about Barcelona's uh, stature. I, a, a billion and a half in debt, like, what, what, what can you do? for? What can this club actually do? There's, the money's not coming in like that. They still, we haven't heard rhyme or reason about their financier, if they even have one waiting in the wings. We still haven't really fully unpacked their funding anti-independence movements and, you know, Catalan independence movements, that's something that desperately needs to be unpacked. And, you know, soonish. I just really feel like this might be the beginning of the end for real. Why are you bringing up old shit? <laughs> I mean, it, no, I, you gotta stop. Look, 
Adam came back this first episode back. He sounds so confident in his team. He loves his team. He says money is an illusion. I know. Let him be. Since my good energy Joseph has said, you know what? Maybe I will log on to the podcast. (laughs) Man's rested and recharged and everything, Jesus. And I love it. You know, also shout out to Jonathan who couldn't be with us this week. Um, Man's in LA. Um, So, you know, holding it down on the West Coast. At the lake. You know, mm, mm, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. But like, um, at the end of the day, you know, it was it was blessed seeing both you, Adam, and Jonathan when I was down in Orlando, um, a couple of weeks ago now, actually. Um, and now I'm out here in North Carolina with my partner. Um, before we head to the Henny Derby on Saturday. Um, but like, it's you already know what it is. As soon as you step in the pub, Adam, business as usual. Your club dreams are ruined. In- trouble like your club is in dire straits your club is really i don't know bro like they're not are they even in the top four i haven't last time i looked at the table they're in like six or seven what's going on mean? like stop stop <laughs> stop the cow <laughs> like let's leave let's leave barcelona alone man throw in the tile i look at barcelona and i'm genuinely worried I look at Barcelona and I'm genuinely worried there will be a Barcelona in a few years' time. If there will be a Barcelona, it won't be the same club that we've seen for hundreds of seasons. I, I, I definitely got to give, um, when, we, when we move our next segment in the Premier League, I definitely got to give the Arsenal fellas their time and their flowers. You guys did it. Joseph, you don't have to do the thing because you guys did the thing. You beat Spurs 3-1 to one, and you were right. So I'll let you lead off the segment since you predicted 80% chance of you guys winning. Told you. Didn't I tell you, man? Did I not tell you, man? Did I not tell you, man, what was going to happen? Did I not tell you exactly what was going to happen? Let me go ahead and run you back to August. August 2021. No, we didn't get off to a great start to the season. We didn't. Armour. Big man like Armour knows. You know what I'm saying? Facts. We didn't get off to a great start to the season. We absolutely did not. But who did? Spurs did. Spurs were looking like the real deal. Spurs were looking like they were about to, you know, spring a few surprises on a few men. And they wouldn't shut the hell up about being top of the table. And then what happens? Big Nuno era. Big Nuno era. Mm. You know, Wolves were kind of like, Wolves were like, damn, we really. We really shouldn't have let him go, you know. <laughs> they were really, really, really. It was looking kind of peak. And then what do Spurs do? The same thing Spurs always does. They Spurs the ting up. They are the bottle jobs of the world. They always fuck it up every single time. They were at the top of the table when Leicester won the league, and they let that shit slip. They were at the top of the table only for three game weeks. Three. And what happened? They got slapped by Chelsea, 3-0. They got slapped by Palace, 3-0. Then they come to the Emirates, a must-win match. They have to pick their form up. We aren't looking all that great, but we certainly were unbeaten in the last two. And guess what we did? We murdered them. 
We slapped them. We threw it all the way back to the mid-90s, late-90s, talking about invincible kind of plays then. Did you not see Aubameyang's celebration with big, big King Thierry in the stands, bruv? That was not a mistake. That was not a fluke. And that was not a cover. That was... We rolled the clock back. Big man like Mikel Arteta. I told you, man. Trust the process. We have one of the younger sides in the league, bro. One of our uh, one of our full eleven actually has an average age of twenty years old. That's where we invested. I told you that that is going to take some time, and it's still going to take some time. But God, damn it, that was a brilliant performance, and I could not have been prouder of them, lads. Really needed to signal some intent, and we absolutely waxed them off the pitch. Where was Harry Kane again? Nowhere to be found. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Yes, he was somewhere to be found. On the fucking floor before Aubameyang scored that wonderful goal. Do you know how many times I've watched that goal? No less than 15 times. Run it back. How beautiful was that play? How beautiful was that first touch football? That's the Arsenal way. That's what we do. And if I ever hear another Spurs supporter, fan, um, halfway interested fuckwit that for some reason wants to go ahead and support Spurs. Listen, you man can't tell me shit about football ever again. Shut up. Never talk to me about football. Bro. Don't even look at me when you're talking about football. If the football's on, face the wall. Don't want to hear from you. Shut up. You man know nothing. You man get nothing. How many times do I have to tell you? When you ever... When you ever have Jose Mourinho as your manager, it's not while he's there that you need to worry about him. It's when he leaves that you need to worry. And look, look who's right again. The villain of the football scene is right again. Yes, you keep booing me, but I still am right. Again. Never chat to me about football again. Big up the arsenal. Also, real quick, off topic, but not off topic who else wax spurs that's right the galdem wax spurs by an even bigger margin bruv the north london derby weekend we scored nine goals we shipped nine goals against spurs and they only scored one one maybe two if um if i remember right but nine goals we shipped nine goals against spurs you are not on our level you never will be and i hope that you're comfortable living in mediocrity i don't even know why you have that new stadium what trophies are going in there the dust trophy the dust bowl trophy them ones shut up never chat to me about football ever again blood never 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 ever word to the sandlot never that's it. I got out of my system. But never chat to me again about football, blood. Arsenal all day, every day. Let's go. You know the vibes. Neil. Nah, nah, fuck that. We, we, we stay <laughs> on Arsenal. Wow. wow. Well then, wow. wait, 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 Neil. <laughs> you better believe it. We're talking, about, we're talking about the North London Derby. Nah. Nah. No one gives a fuck about North London anyway, but go No on. one gives a fuck yeah. about Manchester United. Yeah. You man signed a rapist. Shut up. Don't chat to me about nothing. 
everybody Dang. everybody gives it everybody knows about the North London Derby because like form goes out the window proven again uh this year and I, I like that this that the North London Derby showed Tottenham for who they really are, right? They're they are only the second team in Premier League history to have ever started the season three and oh and then lose their next three games. Second only to Everton, which you could have guessed, right? Who went on to finish 17th back in the 93-94 season? So, yeah, man. We know <laughs> we know who they are. But, yeah, I, I, I really love – there are two things I loved about this uh, in particular. It was, like, the performance by the young players. Um, we lost Granit Xhaka to injury, long-term injury to his knee. Uh, in this match, Sambi Lokonga came in, um, did what he needed to do in the game. But it's the youth, man. Uh, this win showed them how, this win, uh, both the nature of the win, the nature of the performance, the venue showed them why this game matters in whatever context. Um, and I feel like it's a wonderful welcome to the new guys, um, to, to like figure out what Arsenal is about, what's in our DNA, and it's going to serve them well as the team continues to grow and mature. It's like getting this win now in that context, having, you know, with this tough, tough, tough results right before that and a lot of expectation. Um, you know, you're at home, Thierry Henry and the freaking crowd, what are you really going to lose? No, you're not going to lose. And they did more than that. So the two things, young players and their performance, impressive. And the second thing is we got to finally see Harry Kane taking the knee. He took the knee when he gave the assist to Bukayo Saka and his goal. And it was a wonderful moment. Um, we can finally see the leadership. You know, when he told uh, Raheem Sterling yes, to just yes, shut up and yes, dribble. Yes, yes. When they were getting booed Speak on in it. the Speak on it. <laughs> in Eastern Europe, in Eastern European venues. Mm -hmm. uh, he finally got the message that Black Lives Do Matter. Exactly. So yes, he said it. He, he sprinted, said it. sprinted down the field <laughs> to put in the key assist. To Bukayo Saka, who who is beloved only next to Marcus Rashford across all of England. Mm, mm, mm. So and and he finally took the knee on that goal. Salute to you, sir. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Just one quick thing as well, as far as the North London derby is concerned, the biggest standout for me actually wasn't the fact that we have depth in youth. Like we have some of the best youth prospects. Um, I love what Nuno Tavares is doing. Um, he can pretty much slot in anywhere. We needed a utility player like him, and God damn it, we got a good one. But um, Tomiyasu-san, please stand up. Please stand up. I was really worried that there was going to be a massive hole that was going to be left where Hector Bellerin would usually fill in. But this guy's just come in, and he's been a warrior from jump. Do you know what I mean? 
Like, what an absolute fantastic signing he's turned out to be. I said he was a good bit of business anyway. He's just going to need some time. My guys hit the ground running. But the standout for me is that midfield three, when we play a proper 4-2-3-1. Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka on the right, Odegaard in the hole. My God in heaven. All we need to do is hang on to those three. That's all we need to do. That's, that's it. Like Everything else is assured. I think we did very well in defense as well. Ben White has really come good. Oh, um, he got off to a kind of faulty start. Already. Kind of, you know, he kind of got off to a faulty start. But again, you know, the COVID thing and all that sort of stuff. Gabriel also being injured. But their partnership is going to be gangbusters, bro. Can't wait. Tierney is still good. Tierney is still good for it. He's still young and he's still getting better. But that midfield three of ESR, Odegaard, and Saka, that's danger for the rest of the league. And I hope you men are prepared. The moment that we actually get a consistent predator of a striker, it's over for you, man. It's absolutely over for you, hoes. I don't care. Once you get service from them three, you lot can forget about it. I'm calling it now. You need to watch out for Arsenal. Maybe not this season. Definitely in the seasons to come. We have the core. We've got the spine. Partey, when he's healthy, unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. And we've got Sambi Lakonga playing next to him. Bruv, stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop moving. Stop fooling around. And if we are going to talk about anything from the Manchester United peanut gallery, you need to be sending Anthony Martial down here, fam. That's what you need to be doing. As a matter of fact, send Jesse Lingard as well too, blood. You're not using him. You spend all that money on Ronaldo, blood? Nah, come send send him to London. Send that man to London, cuz. Don't want to hear it. Do not want to hear it. You man obviously should have bought a central defensive midfielder, but you turned around and you brought a rapist home. Nice. So what you need to be doing is you need to send the players that you're not using and you need to come and send them to Arsenal. Send Martial first, though, because I need that French connection. Bruv, Martial, uh, if we hold on to Lacazette, Lacazette, who I don't think we're going to be able to hold on to it. Don't. Pipe dream business. But still, um, Martial they don't want to hold on to him, bro. Let's be honest. If Lacazette, if there was an offer that came in, the rumor was that if we sold Lacazette in the summer, we would have bought Tammy Abraham. So. Apparently, West Ham, apparently, the new rumor is West Ham is interested. So I don't know what that means for Mikel Antonio, but... Pff, I don't I believe it, because like, why would you buy him in January and you get him on a free in the summer? But anyway, yeah. You know, it's 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 their money. I really don't give a shit. And we could use it, you know what I mean? More than anything else, because Arsenal is still broke by broke. We ain't got it out here. Um, but my main thing is I would love to see Martial in this setup. I really would. Him and Pepe working together would just be absolutely world class. Um Yeah, and you so still you mentioned you mentioned Pepe. And that's something like Pepe didn't even like I didn't even feature, did he sub in at any point? I don't think so. Like you know what I mean? Like we didn't, uh, we didn't even resort to pulling in Pepe in this in this game. Right. Like, uh, Lacazette likes to score in these in these matches, mm -hmm. and I I just I think it was a remarkable performance. And our entire defense is super young. Like Tierney is the old guy in that defense. He's twenty four. Uh, Gabriel is I think is like twenty three. Ben White's twenty four. Tomiyasu. Is like twenty three or twenty two, and Ramsdale's like twenty two or something. Like they're all young 
players and they did so well. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're shaped up for a wonderful uh, future. We got to get through the now, but this match remarkable, remarkable performance and a uh, wonderful result. Really turned everything on its head. Um, and we needed to perform that way. We just needed a win, to tell you the truth. I would have taken a smash and grab raid as far as I'm concerned, but that was a glorious performance. That is a match that I can go back and watch over and over again. We really, really played fantastically well. And I'm just looking forward to seeing where we go from here. Do you know what I mean? Um, let's just see where, you know, let's just kick on from here. Um, Mikel Arteta, manager of the month, the only manager to win all of his matches in the month of, of September. I believe. Um, well done to him. He's certainly been vindicated for September, but again, start as you mean to go on, lad. Let's see what we can do in October. Let's see what we can do in November. And let's set ourselves up decently for December. You know, if not to be in the top six, there are thereabouts. And we, and we, and we, can, we can do this. So, but anyway. Neil, you, 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 you've, been, you've been chomping at the bit to go ahead and chat about this, so you might as well go ahead and weigh in, fam. And make sure you tell them man there to send out a Martial to Arsenal. Stop fooling around. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're never... Se- First of all, Arsenal is the club that sends your best players to Manchester United. Let's just be clear. Thank you for RVP, by the way, because he wouldn't have won a title uh, at Arsenal. So, thank you for that. You're- you're welcome, ah, for, yes, yes, we're welcome yes. for Alexis Sanchez too. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're welcome for Alexis Sanchez. But on the topic of RV, RVP, isn't that, a, isn't that another rapist that you bought as well, fam? We're not going to listen. So he was a rapist at Arsenal. He wasn't a rapist at United, but we're not going to get into that. Anyway, um, uh, congrats to y'all so for doing what you needed to do. So much better than uh, own rapist. <laughs> this is true. You're, wow. you're, 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 you're not lying. Uh, listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stuttering at the fact that we have a rapist on our books right now who is clogging up the, um, um, a a, uh, a uh, majority of the social media content from our main Twitter account. It's why I muted them. Um, <laughs> uh, but that notwithstanding, congrats to Arsenal for uh, defeating Tottenham. Uh, and that's really all I was going to. I, I was going to actually sing Arsenal's <laughs> praises before I was so rudely cut off. But y'all yep. were so fucking what quick to be like, "Well, no, fuck Neil," and that's just like you know. Don't take it, don't wanna, it personal. Uh, no, no, I, don't, don't take it personal. You know what it is. I means. don't take it personal. I just take Arsenal players. We don't. We, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Send them, and 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 we yeah. are and we are certainly not sending Jesse Lingard, who danced at the Emirates the last time. He the, the last time he started, so we're sure he can still he can still dance to the yeah. Emirates in an Arsenal shirt. Whenever he wants. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, okay. Saka loves to dance. You know what I'm saying? Um, Pepe loves a, you know dancing. Uh, look, you see Lacazette's goal celebration and all them ting there. You know what I'm saying? He fit right in, bro. Send him. Send him. Send him. Come. Send him. We're not gonna do. Let's let's uh, move on, Rothler, please. <laughs> Arsenal and Barcelona and uh, Arsenal and Barcelona fans right now are glowing, bro. Yes, y'all love y'all teams, man. I might as well go with you and start this segment or this next topic, Neil. There's uh some trouble brewing in Manchester United. No, there's apparently uh no, there's not. You sure about that? 
I'm sure people are starting to question your coach's decisions and benching one of your first major of all, signings. First of all, from, uh, first of all, man, first, man, man. first of all, <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa. We let the Arsenal fans in North London talk. We're not. We're not. We're not going to let them dominate a segment about Manchester United. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. That's why I called you first. I called you first to start I, it and out. I, and I appreciate it, but I, but I just had to set the tone. Um, uh, while Ama is giving his dulcet tones in the background, trying to you know undertalk me. But anyway, that's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Um, for me. Um, first of all, first of all, our manager is not in trouble. Um, oh. at, the, at, the, at least not right now. Um, it's still relatively early in the season. If the, the, usually what happens with our club is we lose, we, uh, we get in trouble when hooligan Twitter, frankly, kind of takes over and directs traffic on their reaction no no I, i'm not gonna let you do this right now no, we no, talk about is, tactics bro we're talking about what tactics bro we don't have the about we don't have a center defensive midfielder to maintain the midfield we have we have we have two that are that you know that you know that can't even act as one so as far as tactics are concerned that's our problem so you know we have an abundance of attack. We have right now, unfortunately, because of the Nations League injury, uh, Varane is injured, and actually, so is uh, Harry Maguire, slabhead. So we don't have our starting center backs going into you know after this uh, international break is coming to an end. Um, so we are going to be relying on the likes of Victor Lindelof, Phil Jones, and Eric Bailly. Uh, listen, from a defensive standpoint. Those are, you know, particularly Phil Jones. I, I thought that I thought that uh, motherfucker was never going to start for Manchester United again, and for some reason, uh, he never he decided to stay. So, um, I'm just the, the tactics aren't there. I agree, but the tactics aren't there because we don't have as as Joseph said earlier. We didn't sign a center defensive midfielder. We have three center defensive midfielders on our books right now none of them are good enough to wear a manchester united shirt two of them two of them combined actually there there is only one of them that is talented but he should be back up to a quality starting center defensive mid and that's scott mctominay he he is the only center defensive mid that i actually trust to wear a manchester united shirt the problem is we also have fred and we also have nemanja mate and did you, watch, did you watch? Did you watch Brazil? Did you watch Fred for Brazil? Did you see Argentina? Yeah. Argentina, you they used him to wipe their asses for it in midfield. He was getting nutmegged, getting he was just getting abused in midfield. I felt and like the only it, reason here's the thing it was like here's, Big Brother Little Brother business. It was just the, really ugly. And here's the thing, Ama, to your point, to your exact point. The only reason Fred is starting for Brazil is because he plays for Manchester United. Because when he was playing for Besiktas so four years ago, he wasn't he wasn't playing for Brazil. He wasn't even fucking starting because he's not that good, right? He's not that good. So you're letting this you're letting Ali mess up Brazil's chances to go. <laughs> that's, 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 that's poison, bro. 
Ali is on the rocks. He's he's messing up more than Man United. He he's putting Brazil in jeopardy. Thank I mean, thankfully they're winning their match today. But good grief. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thing with um I think, yo, I'll say this before I start off. I like Ali as a person. I think he's uh, a genuinely good dude. Like, it's like actually him. like, yeah, he's a genuinely good dude. When you hear him talk, he, you know, speaks frank. I think Ali's strength as a manager is, um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but his previous stops are just with, you know, smaller kind of outfits. And I think what he achieved with Manchester United, especially last year, to get that team to second in the league, I'm not going to knock it. They made the Europa League final, and we're expected to win. But that's kind of where you start to see the issue. He just gets, if he's up against a manager with tactics, he gets out, he's liable to get outmanaged. And he's got, he right, they bought a lot of pieces for him this year. You would think you can... And granted, the big powers all got big pieces, so I'm not necessarily saying that you expect them to replicate um, a top two finish and improve. So I, I don't think that's, I mean, obviously Neil's the fan, so of course he's hoping for the best, but I think everybody else was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen this year. But a manager with those pieces, uh, a better manager tactically with those pieces, I think would do better. When you look at... I, I guess the run of, of play is you you look at a team that last year went to Southampton and won, what, 9 nothing when they went there, and you draw this year. That's kind of where it starts. You lose to young boys in the Champions League, like young boys in the building tonight. Um, you need late-minute heroics against Villarreal in the rematch um, to get the win. Late minute heroics to get the win with West Ham. You had the the spy that scored Jesse Lingard since he was there the year before. I guess he knew, so he scores in the 89th minute. Um, you draw with Everton. It's the it's just underwhelming, and I you question if a, another and right. I agree with you, Neil. I don't think he's necessarily in trouble, um, but it's you question when you have that many like you upgraded what you built on. You should be doing theoretically better. I, I mean, we're really gonna see it this week, uh, this weekend because it's Leicester City, and I, I trust Brendan Rodgers as a manager. I think Brendan Rodgers is just not good at the end of the season, but right now it's the beginning of the season. So tactically, Brendan Rodgers kind of gets it. So that, and they're going to Leicester City. If they lose that match, yeah, that's. I'm not sure how long. I, I don't know how long the Glazers rope is at that point. Cause it's like, okay, you did well. We put money in, we should be doing better. And right. It's, I mean, Atalanta is going to be interesting after. So, it's, so this week, hold on. It's Leicester city. So this week it's, oh man, I'm so sorry. Leicester city. Then four days later, Atal- Atalanta at home. Another four days later, Liverpool at home. Uh, the next week, they go to Spurs, a return match to Atalanta, uh, the Manchester Derby. They don't have a break until they see Watford, and then they see Villarreal in the Champions League after that. This stretch, I honestly, if if, if this doesn't go well, Ali's not there at the Christmas break. 
like I don't or you know I don't think he makes it to Boxing Day if that stretch doesn't if it's again and again I'm gonna give credit to you you don't necessarily you don't have to win the Liverpool game Spurs you should get a point right I think that's what they would expect you hope the City game that's it's just a rough stretch and I think that there are enough bad results in there that especially if it starts off with a loss this week with Leicester City that Ali is definitely in trouble. I, I think they would pull him if that stretch doesn't get uh, three wins out of it, like three wins. Uh, and I mean, after that, maybe you uh, you got, yeah, he's got a rough first half of the season. Villarreal, then Chelsea, then going. No, you have Arsenal at home. You get Palace. And then it kind of, you know, December, if he can make it to December, but I don't know about that stretch. It, it's a rough stretch for him that he has to prove himself. And especially the liver, I would say, the Liverpool and the Derby, those are big times for him to just if and if he gets out coached by those guys again, that's that's what everybody's gonna say. I mean, they're already talking about they need Garrett Southgate to replace him, which is not an upgrade. But hey, Garrett Southgate's had success, and that's the name you're gonna hear, and that's what they're gonna want. So, what it is, but I don't know why you bring Southgate on because he doesn't use Sancho for the English team. So what is he gonna do with him in Manchester? But I I digress. <laughs> Joseph. Manchester United are in a very interesting position because I don't know why they, I don't even know why they even entertain having Ronaldo come back. Excuse me, rate Ronaldo come back. I don't understand why they even entertain that. Knowing what they truly needed in order to kick on from what was for them uh, overachieving last season. You know what I mean? I really think they shat the bed with their transfer policy. I think bringing Reynaldo back was a complete extravagance. I, I don't see any reason why you should have had him at all. You know what I mean? You needed a quality central defensive midfielder. From what I understand, you know, you could have moved for like someone like Kante because there was a lot of rumors surrounded by him and Chelsea were, for all intents and purposes, really, weren't really that keen on like, you know, being like, no, you can't have him because they already had options waiting in the wings, Jorginho being one of them. So it's just like, I don't really, I don't really see why Manchester United even went for the extravagant route, except for one reason and one reason only, shirt sales. It had to be for the shirt sales and nothing else. I just don't understand. He's not going to bail you out every single time like he did in the Champions League the other day, uh, the other week, excuse me. It was a foolish move. And I don't think that should be placed solely on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but speaking to the management problem in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, look, if Ole's at the wheel, my man is driving drunk. That's just what it is, okay? If my, man is, if my man is a smooth DUI away from crashing the whip, and I, I think it could have all been prevented had the club and, to a certain degree, Ole gotten serious about investing in places that they truly needed to invest in. You've been coasting on certain things, particularly in that central defensive midfield. You've been coasting in that position since Mourinho took the job. You understand? Matic was fine for two seasons, but my guy is ready to be put out of posture. You understand what I'm saying to you? There is truly no reason why you shouldn't have gone in for a quality central defensive midfielder. It's not like you couldn't have had pick of the litter either. That's the other thing as well. 
It's, like, it's not like you man don't have the cash to stump up. Yeah, okay, the Glazers are still borrowing against the club because they're a bunch of greedy bastards. But that that's not stopped you from shelling out peas for players. What's going on on your left flank? If um, if Luke Shaw isn't there to do the job, I haven't heard boo from Alex Tellez, and that is a quality player that you've got there. What's going on there? Meanwhile, your central defensive pairings, look, again, coasting. Slabhead isn't that consistent. And Lindelof definitely isn't that consistent. Where's the depth there? What's Guan in there? It's pretty similar to me to that final season for Manchester United. Uh, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's final season. You had the front end of a Ferrari, but you had the back end of a Fiat Punto. You understand what I'm saying to you? And in the middle, well, I don't know, um, a Honda Odyssey, like an old Ford Aerostar, maybe, 1993. You know what I'm saying? You can carry people there. That's if the car doesn't fucking break down. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, Manchester United have baffled me recently. And then I remember... I don't support Manchester United. So all I can do is just sit there, eat some popcorn and laugh. Look, as far as management goes, I don't think they need to worry about um, if they do get rid of Oli uh, 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 Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't think they need to worry about options. Conte has already said that there's only one Premier League project that he would be interested in going to, and that is Manchester United because he sees it as long-term. I think he's maybe slightly exaggerating there primarily because you know you don't know what the fucking glazers are going to do the next month never mind the next week um so he might get frustrated there he might do it for a couple seasons and be out like chelsea you know what i'm saying um personally i think chelsea should never have sacked him but that's neither here nor there but i mean at the end of the day look manchester united don't need to worry about management they don't need to worry about strikers they don't need to worry about they do not need to worry about. Mm, they don't need to worry about their fullbacks. They just need to rotate them properly, certainly on the left flank. But they do need to worry about their central defensive midfield because they have not been the same since Michael Carrick retired. I have said for years, Michael Carrick is inarguably the biggest unsung hero Manchester United has ever had. Ever, that man was quality. Quality midfielder. There were Manchester United supporters telling me that I was wrong. Now look, you haven't even replaced him. Man is your assistant manager and you still can't find anybody to be as close to him as what he did for you. So Alex Ferguson was right. Michael Carrick was a gem. Michael Carrick is the main reason why Manchester United even got that success in the latter half of his career as manager. Xavi called him a complete midfielder. That wasn't blowing smoke up his ass. Xavi was fucking right. And if Xavi says someone's a complete midfielder, who the fuck are you to tell him he's wrong? Bruh. You need another Michael Carrick. But I promise you, you won't find one. So you just need to get a quality central defensive midfielder and tactically build around him. That's what you need to be doing. Once you do that, you will unlock Pogba. You will unlock Bruno Fernandes. You will unlock anybody, really, that you else we want to put in fucking midfield. You've got pick of the litter. You've got quality wingers, as I said, and attacking midfielders there. But you do not have a rock-solid base there. 
which leaves the central defenders to pick up the slack. And last time I checked, Slabhead is not really good at tracking back like that, like that. You see what I'm saying to you? Great for set pieces. Wonderful for set pieces. Also good for staying back and containing players. But he can't do them movements there. Neither can Lindelof. He doesn't have the pace. I'm telling you, Manchester United shot themselves in the foot. I really, really will be surprised. I really will be surprised if Manchester United can even repeat what they did last season because it's going to be sticky for them. But that's where, that's where I'm at with it as far as Manchester United is concerned. That concludes around the pitch. We're now going to move into our main segment. I feel like we've been talking about money all day. More money talk. Newcastle has been bought by a Saudi consortium for about 300 million pounds. How do you feel about the move? What do you see for the future of the club? Let's start with Adam. The incoming. He's the Jonathan who's missing, but can't wait till the Man City, Man City, Newcastle matches. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, according to, I know I read initial reports that they're going to be still, you know, there's still financial fair play. Uh, allegedly, I don't even. I, you read journalists, they don't even fully understand how it works. But supposedly, because of like what Newcastle brings in in revenue, they'll be limited. However, somebody else pointed out that Newcastle, even they actually have one of the best fan bases in terms of match day revenue. They're actually in the top ten in the in the league in terms of like might even be like six or seven in terms of what they pull in on a on an average match day is like twenty four million. So they're actually. Um, like it's not going to be like a, a, a you know a Man City or a PSG kind of spending money. They're supposedly going to be still limited, but they still have a lot more than a lot of people have. And now it's going to be backed by oil money. Um, I don't know. We have to see what this regime does in terms of who they bring in. Um, and money doesn't always solve problems. We see it. What happened in Italy? We see, you know, it's not the most natural thing to do um, in terms of, you know, you still got to get the right personnel helping you make decisions. You can't just buy people to buy people, piece to Barca, um, and just think that they're going to fit. So there's got to be a strategy. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure how much it changes the landscape right away. Uh, give the the owners two or three years. We got to see personalities. This is a weird kind of transitory point for um, world soccer in general, a weird World Cup, a winter World Cup next year coming up that's going to disrupt things. So I I don't think we're going to see Newcastle become some new, you know, top four, top six challenger in the next three to five years. I don't, I'd be surprised. I think after that, potentially, depending on what they do. but um. Yeah, it's um, it's it's what it is. Um, you know, you get a cheap owner out; it changes the game. Um, but we'll see. It's, it is going to be more competitive. Um, you know, we we saw last year like that was probably the toughest run for European places, even with an expanded European place at, at the at the um, seven spot um, that got like the guarantee to go. Um, it's just going to be different going forward. Um, so 
we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think it's going to be some great shift right away. Uh, I think maybe after the World Cup, we see how things settle and how those pieces move. Give them like three or four windows to see how they build their team. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Newcastle the best thing they did. You know, you know a team is hurting. And I love Joe Willett. I miss Joe Willett. But you know a team is hurting when the fan base is like, please bring Joe Willick back. Bruh, like, that was their biggest move of the transfer season. And it took a while to get done, even though he was there for a loan. Um, like, that team has a lot of work to do. And it's not going to be solved in, like, two or three transfer windows. So I'm not too worried about it. We'll see what happens. Um, three, four years, they might turn it around. but And it'll just be one more thing. It'll be more exciting games. It's, it's interesting. Um, but I'm not too threatened by, you know, it, it, there's only so many players to go around. So, and only so much money. Teams, as we'll, as you see with Barca, as you see with Arsenal, too. Two teams with like great brand names. You can't just pull in people. Like you st- now, pe- everybody's got money. You're gonna have to have some sort of prestige to pull somebody in. So there's only so many guys who are just gonna take the money to take the money. Like guys want to play European football. They want to win titles. They want to win cups and all those things. So if you're not presenting that in an option, then there's no reason for them to come. So it's gonna be a while. So we'll see what's up. Sorry, I was I was actually looking at the um, you know Adam kind of touched on it a little bit. They so part of me wants to congrat Newcastle for this buyout. At the same time, that uh, I think they should take a cue for as much as we want to you know shame Manchester City's new ownership. Uh, for you know current or should i say current oil baron uh, you know saudi saudi money ownership um we can shame them as much as we want from a football standpoint they've revitalized that area they put a new stadium they focused on the community severe and i think jonathan if he was here would touch on it that they've severely um impacted the community in a positive way by building housing in and around the stadium and revitalizing that community um so we and th- and this is not me you know praising oligarchs at manchester city this is me saying that in a city like newcastle which if you've been a listener of the podcast you know i'm not a fan of that city let alone that club uh from a football standpoint newcastle is going to quickly become you know as as soon as the january transfer window is quickly going to become like that right right now they're linked to any and every player that that is either a free agent or wasn't picked up in the summer um and they they could quickly become a powerhouse my i i don't think steve bruce is going to last the entire season because what's going to happen is if they make a bunch of big splashes in which they probably you know which they will when when newcastle makes a number of big splashes this transfer window you know, this upcoming January, uh, what's going to end up happening is similar to the big six right now. You have, and you have some clubs where it's gelling like a Chelsea and a Liverpool because they've been able to kind of siphon, you know, kind of shift players out and bring players in and kind of build consistency, kind of have a base. Um, Chelsea, it's working to a certain extent. They just needed the right manager to do it. Uh, because obviously Frank Lampard wasn't, but Thomas Tuchel is. Um, 
And conversely, in Newcastle, I do not think, and I think everyone would agree, that uh, Steve Bruce is not the future of <laughs> uh, Newcastle United at all, at any level. Um, and from a, from a player standpoint, uh, you know, they have... Newcastle... <laughs> Newcastle is perplexing because currently they are sitting at the bottom, you know, close to the bottom of the table. And it's going to be difficult for them to just make big, a number of big splashes this January and just buy players and say, well, if you sign here for a number of years and sign, you know, and, and, you know, and we pay you 300K a week or 400K a week, you know, hopefully we can get out of the bottom of the table. And then next season we will play in Europe. Like, that's a tremendous ask for potential January signings, considering that Newcastle really isn't a great place to live. Um, very dreary. Um, it's not attractive. Um, the really only plus side to living in Newcastle is being around that stadium. That's pretty much it. So when I was talking about Manchester City and Etihad Stadium and, you know, re revitalizing the community, Newcastle is going to have to do the same thing. Um, I, I want to give credit again where credit is due um, with the current with with the current line. I, I don't think they should offload a number of players this January. I do think they should wait till the summer to do it. Um, and uh, I think they will, but it's going to take some time for these players to gel. And again, Newcastle is in the bottom of the table. It's going to be an incredible selling point to just be like, we're at the bottom of the table. But if you sign with us for four years, we're going to be playing in the Champions League. Like that's that that's a and and certainly not with C, and the first thing they're going to say is you want me to play for Steve Bruce when I could play for you know literally anybody else. Like at the end of the day, for me, like I wouldn't want to play for Steve Bruce. I don't understand um, why anyone in their right mind would want to. Um, at this point, because he had because they're in the doldrums right now. And, you know, I don't think he's going to last until January. I think, you know, all this talk about um, the Manchester United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer leaving uh, or, or being on the, you know, or, or, or being on the hot seat come Christmas time and Boxing Day. I think Steve Bruce is going to be gone first, honestly. And but but he's going to be he's going to be moved out so they can focus on the future because. The future of Newcastle is not going to be under Steve. Yo, how hilarious would it be if Newcastle just gets relegated, though, right after they bought him? Because I'll be honest, real quick, before, before, yeah, real quick, <laughs> before you move on, I'm not even sure he makes October. Because next three matches, Spurs, Spurs, Palace, Chelsea. That's the next three matches in October. And then right after that, it's Brighton the first week of November. That's he's not getting like maybe Palace he gets three oh, three points no, maybe point. not even one point at Palace maybe he's not getting any other points there. He's gonna have four points and yeah, but Joseph, I know you were about to go next. Rossler, remind me to uh, set up a meeting so we can go through some old episodes to find the specific episode where we predicted this exact thing was going to happen. If I remember rightly, in that episode, we all said, and we all talked about, um, 
the Saudi takeover being denied due to the whole fit and you know you know the fitness test of you know fit for purpose test that the Premier League is supposed to do when any private ownership comes in, you know, waving their dick in their cash in their checkbook around. You know what I mean? And we said that okay, they're denying it this time, but they're coming back, and the next time they're taking over. And look, look what happened. Look what happened. The Saudis got the club that they went in for in the first place. I'm not surprised that the Saudi takeover is happening. I'm not surprised that the Premier League caved yet again to an autocratic regime with a shit ton of money. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Manchester City is owned by such a person in Sheikh Mansour. Giving them plenty of what for. I have personally anyway. Um, you know what I'm saying? Roman Abramovich is right down there in Chelsea. You know, he might, you might, he might be there. He might wave to the fans and all that sort of fun stuff. But bruv, come on now. It's business. It's a job. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what more you want. Like, it's, it, it, there was a really interesting article that was written on open democracy about how autocratic regimes use sports to kind of like sport wash their entire um, legacy, if you like. Look how those same people that were Islamophobic and were talking about, uh, you know, you know, death to the Saudis and all that sort of stuff. Them men were outside St. James's Park with Saudi Arabian flag. Just because they gave Newcastle United the payday of a lifetime. Now. On one hand, I am 100% happy for Toon supporters that they no longer have to deal with the absolute useless tub of human goo known as Mike Ashley. I am very happy for them. They deserved so much better than that gigantic dick weasel. I hate Mike Ashley, and I don't support Newcastle United, but that guy was probably one of the worst business owners, period. And if you don't believe me, look up his record for Sports Direct. Look what he's done to those employees. Look up Mike Ashley zero-hour contracts. Look up all that shit. He has ruined countless lives in the UK. Fuck Mike Ashley with the longest, rustiest tire iron that you can find. I hope that man burns in hell. And I will, uh, I'm going to hell anyway, as you all know. So I will see him roast in hell and I will mock him as he's roasting in hell. Because man has a timeshare in the seventh circle of hell. You, know, you get me? You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Moving swiftly along. Um, but this isn't necessarily a 100% wonderful thing for Newcastle. Because these kinds of private ownership things come with strings attached. Everything is concentrated on the oligarch. If the oligarch decides to up sticks and leave, that leaves the club in a lurch. Just ask Liverpool with the whole Gillette Hicks ownership. Just ask Aston Villa after the Randy Lerner era. Just ask Portsmouth who still haven't completely recovered. Just ask Sunderland, who still haven't completely recovered. Ask Bolton, who still haven't completely recovered. Like, the list goes on and on and on and on. And really and truly, the question does need to be asked, what the fuck is the purpose of, uh, of the fit-for-purpose test for Premier League private ownership? Anybody with the cash can put enough pressure on the whole fucking administration, and they'll just be like, all right, yeah, you can have it. Like, that's just really what it is. And for me, that's not a fit-for-purpose test. That is a 
Give us a reason to not tell you no test. The first time, yeah, you did it for the moral higher ground and all that stuff, right, 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 that's fantastic. But we knew that the Saudi was going to take this club over. But now that it's all done and dusted and we've gone through the grayscale of how messy this shit is, let's talk about the football. Uh, Steve Bruce? Yeah, blood, you need to talk to people at Hull and see so you can get your job back. Because you're not going to be manager for Man uh, Newcastle United very soon. There's absolutely no way that you entrust Steve Bruce with all that money. I wouldn't give any English manager, most English managers, I think, that kind of uh, war chest. I wouldn't give it to Sam Allardyce. I wouldn't give it to Neil Warnock. I wouldn't give it to fucking Mick McCarthy, who's Irish, but still uh, notorious underachiever. Um, I wouldn't give it to shit. And I love him, but Hodgson, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give Hodgson that money. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't give it. <laughs> I wouldn't even give it to Eddie Howe. Like, I, I just, there aren't too many English managers outside of Brighton's manager that I would give that kind of money to. Prove me wrong. Like, this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I just really feel like Newcastle's time hasn't come yet, but they're coming. Them man are talking about signing Kylian Mbappe. Relax, bro. Chill, bro. Settle down, bro. You man still have Joe Linton. Please relax yourself, cuz. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -mm. you need to you need to come down from whatever cloud. Listen, I actually, you know what? Tell me who shotted you that weed, bro? Because I need to chat to that man there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need to go ahead and make a purchase. Slide me an eighth. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that shit is, because. Kylian Mbappe in a Newcastle United shirt, behave yourself, all right? That's peas, bruv. You got the money, but is Kylian really looking to come and play football in the northeast of England when he is living his best life in Paris, France, bruv? Relax. Relax. But there will be more players coming in. There will be some quality players coming in. January transfer window is going to be a madness. I'm sure they can't wait to start kind of dumping the cash. And I'm interested to see how they invest, number one, and who they invest in. That's the number one thing. The side might even use January to clear out the deadwood first. That would be the responsible thing to do. And then wait until the summer after bringing in some people immediately in January to go ahead and really build around the side the way that their manager wants it to. I mentioned Antonio Conte saying that, you know, the only project he would consider is Manchester United. But now that this takeover has happened, even I'm thinking, hmm, well, well, blank slate. Managers love that. You know what I'm saying? You can clear all the back, you can clear all the backroom staff out. You don't need to keep any of them man there or gal there. Like you can just go ahead and get rid of them. And you can have whomever you want. The club is going to back you, provided that you bring in the results. But initially, Conte is looking, it's looking, it's looking kind of good. Conte could be manager of Newcastle United. This is available outside of him. I'm pretty sure that they're keen on getting in there. Like if Ranieri didn't get plumped and picked off by uh, Watford, which shout out to Watford, magnificent um, replacement. Now that your uh, your previous manager walked after getting his ass whipped, you know what I'm saying. Um, you can't do you can't do worse than Ranieri, I don't think. But at the end of the day, I mean, it could have been Ranieri at Newcastle United if Watford didn't get him. Like they have pick of the litter now. They just got to convince them that the project is one that's worth investing in, working for, 
and working towards realizing. So it's a messy situation. I don't want people to look at Newcastle Saudi takeover as a wonderful thing. I certainly don't want Toon supporters to look at this as a wonderful thing. Remember what happened to your neighbor's Sunderland. Remember, that could be you at any time. Just because Chelsea hasn't collapsed, Manchester United hasn't collapsed, City hasn't collapsed. Remember how many private owners City went through before they got Sheik Mansour? That could be you, blood. I'm just saying. Enjoy it while it lasts. Because when it's over, it hurts. And then there's plenty of men there in the country that you can talk to about what that's like. So I'll be watching with keen interest, but it's not going to all click for them immediately. And I think, you know, people do need to temper their excitement, certainly if you support Newcastle United. But it's about bloody time that Newcastle United finally got thrown a bone because Mike Ashley has absolutely ruined that club. So maybe, maybe, maybe the Saudi, the, the Saudi, um, what is it? Conglom not conglomerate. Uh, consortium group? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe this consortium group has better things in mind. Although any consortium group with Mohammed Bill Salman's name on it ain't worth a fucking damn. So you can kill journalists that tell the truth about you and then buy up a football club and everybody's just looking the other way. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing that sticks out for me. So, good luck, Toon. I'll be watching with interest. I'm going to take us home. What do you think? Yeah, I just feel like Joseph was right when we said we all predicted this, where this outcome would, would occur eventually um, because money is involved. Um, we've seen that when it comes to football ownership, and uh, leagues, there's there's not a lot of um, ethical, like the ethical concerns are really at the bottom of the totem pole. Otherwise, um, you know, we wouldn't be wouldn't be playing football. So yeah, not surprised. And I expect that uh, Newcastle, while they're rolling in this newfound wealth will attempt to do things, and then they realize they're still Newcastle and they have a ways to go to evolve uh, to evolve into, you know, world beaters and folks competing for titles. Can be done. It just won't be instantaneous. And, um, you know, so like, I, I hope folks are ready for the journey. Football seems to be a real short-term uh business these days so uh you know good for you you got rid of a terrible owner uh good for you you got another terrible owner except these ones are richer so you know do with do do with that what you will my you know as as an arsenal supporter who whose club is owned by stan Kroenke, i know what it feels like to have a terrible owner so you know congrats to you for getting rid of one but, you know, uh, good luck in navigating the waters with the one you've got. All right, gents, that concludes our main segment. We're going to take a brief break and then we're going to have extra time. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors. Same goddamn feeling. 
share our passion for sauce, and discover the full goddamn range at thegdsauce.com. Use the discount code THEBANTAPUBFC to save 15% when you cop the sauce. Bows up. Welcome back. We are closing in on the end of this episode, but before we do, we're going to have extra time, as you know. Discuss one thing that's impacted you this week in 60 seconds or less. And I'm going to start with Ama, since he's already unmuted and ready to go. <laughs> um, I guess right now, the thing on my mind is COVID. Uh, and, you know, kind of watching the decline in daily new cases post um, the executive order from the White House. And, you know, additional constraints on federal contractors. Um, I don't like Joe Biden. Mandate's late, but it needed to happen. And, you know, I'm observing in the in uh, my own workplace, the reaction to having to respond to the need to, to take care of public health. It's like we're still over 100,000 new cases per day in the United States. So it's like, like Neil says, it's still wash your hands, wash your ass, wear a mask and get that bad and get that jab. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's what it is for, for my 60 seconds. Get vaccinated for God's sakes, wear a mask for God's sakes. There's still a hundred thousand people or more getting infected every day testing positive every day in the United States. Neil, extra time. I'm just going to plug one thing. Uh, We've been steadily, steadily building our uh, Banter Pub FC official playlist. Um, It is growing to, I can't even tell you how how long it is going to be. Certainly longer than this podcast episode. but uh, when we do release it, we are waiting for a few more pieces, a few more fine tuning, and will be released very soon. So look out for that on multiple platforms. Adam. Um, yeah, this week we're recording. Um, uh, World Mental Health Day was earlier in the week. So just want to spotlight that. Um, I know I'm going to mention COVID. Um, was y'all be easy with yourselves it's, it's crazy to think we've been dealing with this for 18 months um and uh it's just different um not it's everything's different and if you listen to anything about mental health they usually even if you're not a big believer in mental health i mean you hear like you go through big changes in your life you know deaths and even job changes there there are different levels of that bring stress but there's no, there's no way to tell you what a pandemic is going to do to you. So we've lost different ways of life. We've lost, in addition to people, obviously, that we've lost, we've lost different ways of life. We've lost jobs. We've lost friendships um, and changes in our family relations with the people who are still here. So, you know, if you're listening to this, we're proud of you. Um, you're here. Um, make sure you take care of yourself, extend grace to yourself, be patient with yourself. It's a crazy time. 
um, and just be good and, you know, talk to people, um, find a therapist. Um, also, big hint, um, if you got a university in your town, a lot if they got grad students doing psych stuff, a lot of them people do it for free because they got to do it for um, uh, their their work and their study. So there's always somebody out there that can help um, uh, you can uh, reach out to. So uh, peace, everybody. Take care of yourself. That's it. Joseph. Um, I think one of the things that's definitely be on my mind this week, apart from um, some personal beef, is it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, right? And I really feel like people need to stop acting as if that domestic violence is simply a woman's problem. It's not. As far as I'm concerned, domestic violence is a human problem. As somebody who has been subjected to domestic violence at the hands of cis women, not once but twice, the second time being far more harrowing than the first, I think it's key that people need to get out of their boxes, they need to get out of their own ass, and they need to look at the world outside. It is a cold, callous world that we have built. It didn't exist that way, but we made it that way. And we can unmake it that way. There just needs to be the political will to do so. I would, currently, I would, I would invite everybody to reacquaint yourselves with the facts. The last time I checked, while yes, statistically, women are more likely to be on the receiving end of, um, of domestic violence, men actually get domestic there's a man that gets domestically abused or subjected to domestic violence once every two weeks in the uk it's even slimmer in the united states so actually my challenge isn't really for the gal them it's for the man them i need you lot to realize that vulnerability is courageousness it is not weakness talk to somebody and if you don't know anybody in your area then there's plenty of resources that you can definitely get into, but you have to go to the resources. They're not going to seek you out because there are too many people that they're trying to assist right now. And I know it's hard and I know it's difficult. It's definitely isolating. I can attest to that, but you really and truly owe it to yourself to stop trying to live life like the comic book hero that you were conditioned to be and get in touch with your humanity because that's who you actually are. So. That being said, domestic violence does not just happen to women. Women perpetrate it too. And it doesn't just be perpetuated by men. It happens to men also. No gender has the monopoly on abuse. Let's get right. Let's get our heads around this situation. Let's come together and let's figure out how we end it together. And that's all I have to say about that. Well said. For my extra time, I'll keep it short and sweet. We said it a couple different times throughout the episode, but I definitely want to reiterate it. Good to have you back, Adam. You are missed. And uh, next week, I think we should have the full squad back together. I'm really looking forward to that. But thank you for listening to another episode of the Banter Pub FC, the sauciest team in the game and the spiciest takes on the pitch. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Banter Pub FC. Follow us and subscribe on YouTube and Twitch. And if you like what you heard, please make sure to like, share, subscribe, follow, and review us on your favorite platform. For Rosler, Neil, Ama, Adam, and Joseph, 
John will be here next week. I hope. We'll see you next time at the pub. Thank you.